Live from Miami, Florida, thefoodie.com presents WTF, Where's the Food? With your host, Nick. That's right. We are back. Episode number seven. We made it. What's going on? It is Nick. And welcome to WTF, Where's the Food? Thank you guys for listening each and every week. I truly appreciate it. If you're listening to us on iTunes, you're subscribing, you're downloading, you're leaving us comments, you're leaving us stars, all that good stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't done so, if you listen on iTunes and you subscribe on iTunes and haven't left us a review or some stars, whatever, please do so. Whatever you think is fit. Five stars if you know what I'm saying. So this is episode number seven, and of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Foodie, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. And of course, we got the website, thefoodie.com, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E.com. So episode number seven, let me tell you what's happening on today's episode. We got Chef Carl Schubert on the show. He's from New Orleans. We're going to hear his story. We're going to ask him. uh, He was once sous chef at Commander's Palace. We're going to ask him about that. If he would go back, if he was given the opportunity, would he go back to Commander's Palace? We'll ask him that as well. We're also going to talk to Mark Trowbridge from the Coral Gables Chamber of Commerce. Every year they put on this great burger event. It's called Burgalicious. We're going to talk to him about this year's event. I'm judging year number seven, seven years in a row. I've been there since the start. We're going to find out what's new this year, if any new restaurants are participating. Also going to get the full list of restaurants as well. And it all goes down on Thursday at Pont Circle Park in Coral Gables, Florida, if you're in the area. Over 20 burgers competing for uh, Best in Bun and People's Choice. It's a fun, fun event. You should check it out. And also on Friday, the next day after Burgerlicious, we got the Lucky Rice Miami Feast. We're going to be joined by Annie, who is the content manager for Lucky Rice. We're going to talk to her about this year's Miami Feast and why you should attend if you've never been. Also got some food news on Shake Shack, Taco Bell, and Black Tap. Also going to give you the food porn of the week from my friends over at Fash Foodies. So what do you say? You guys want to jump into episode number seven? Because I do. Let's jump into my conversation right now with Chef Carl Schubert from New Orleans. Chef Carl Schubert, what's going on, buddy? Oh, nothing much. How you guys doing over there in Miami? Uh, you know, rainy, hot, you know, nothing like a great fall season here in Miami. Yeah, yeah. You know, we joke about that in New Orleans. We start working on fall menus, and I always say to people, you know, it's, it's going to be fall for about a total of two weeks, so <laughs> it's more like just reminiscent, nostalgic fall menus, really, make you make you think of fall, not necessarily feel, feel the fall weather. So Yeah, I mean, we have I a... A cold front coming in this week, apparently, and uh, it's going to last like 10 hours, 60 degrees, and people are already freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, I got to get the ski <laughs> boots out, the ski jacket, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I woke up this morning. I put my kids in some uh, jackets. By the time I dropped them off at school, I had to take them off because it had already heated up to about 80 <laughs> degrees. So. Crazy. Another crazy. feeling. Crazy. So, Chef yeah. Carl, tell people, if, if people don't know anything about you, they're like, who is Chef Carl Schubert? Tell people a, a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I'm born and raised in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. I have not really left uh, for too long of a time, except in my mid-20s. I actually cooked uh, in your great state of Florida in the uh, panhandle up there, what we call the Redneck Riviera, um, <laughs> up there near, <laughs> up there near um, between basically Tallahassee and, and uh, Destin, Florida, what, what, what most people know of near, um, not too far from Panama City Beach. So I spent my, uh, my, my late, 20s uh cooking at the beach and resort communities which wasn't a bad way to spend it uh but other than that been 
born and raised in New Orleans that come from a Cajun, French, and Italian uh, family down here, which is pretty typical uh, Louisiana mutt material, um, but very, uh, very much indigenous to coming up, growing up in the kitchen, so to speak, uh, literally and figuratively. So that's kind of how I got my love for it. You know, people in here in New Orleans, we uh, live, eat, breathe, sleep, food, and uh, fun, and all that's involved in that and family as well. So, um, you know, it came pretty honestly and pretty naturally to get into the food industry and into the hospitality industry. And once I got my first taste of, uh, of taste of blood, so to speak, cooking in college at Louisiana State University, LSU to most people, um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I actually kind of went in reverse and got my bachelor's degree in business management and entrepreneurship because I knew one day I'd, I'd want to open my own place perhaps. And Smart. So I learned kind of the business aspect of it first while I was cooking. Um, and, you know, I was on a full ride scholarship wise. So I figured I'd get four good years of SEC uh, fun in there as well. <laughs> while I was doing, uh, um, so, yeah, you know, just really school of hard knocks. I didn't go to culinary school at all. I've learned from everything from books to TV to physical actual mentors to figurative mentors, to trial and error. So no cooking uh, schools at all? No, I didn't go to culinary school at all. I just, um, I've always been a pretty self-taught individual, you know. In high school, I, I, I kind of slept a lot in class. In college, I didn't really go to class too much, but still maintained <laughs> grades that made my parents pretty happy. That's so, all that matters, right? Yeah, you know, and, and so I've always been a pretty self-taught individual and self-motivated individual in that regard. So, I kind of did the same with food. Like I said, I, I, I learned through, I'm a food nerd and, and, and have always been one. And just, um, I have a pretty good, uh, pretty good memory. And like I said, you know, cooking at a young age, I was executive chef when I was 25. So I wasn't really ready at all for it looking back, especially as a restaurant owner now, 10 years later, but, um, it taught me a lot about making mistakes and learning from mistakes and humility, which I think, uh, a lot of chefs need in their careers that really kick in the ass to, humble them to know that they don't know it all, that they need help, that they have a lot to learn. And uh, that's one thing I, I, as a mantra of mine and that I continue to pass on to my chefs that work with me. So I have two restaurants now. One is in Covington, Louisiana, which is kind of um, on the North shore, so to speak, North of Lake Pontchartrain uh, in a suburb of New Orleans. And then also one uh, in uptown New Orleans um, near Tulane and Loyola campuses uh, on Oak street which is near the famous music club called um, the Maple Leaf, and that's called DTB, which stands for Down the Bayou, and that is a uh, modern Cajun-inspired restaurant. And our North Shore restaurant is called Baco Bar, which is a casual, family-friendly, kind of Latin-Asian-inspired, just kind of fun, hip kind of spot. Interesting. And for those that don't know, you were sous chef at one point at the Commander's Palace, the famous Commander's Palace. How was that whole experience? I was. Uh, that was that was one of the greatest experiences of my life and of my career for sure. You know, that's a that's an institution to say the least. That doesn't really even do it justice to say that it is a um, that is the I think epitome of a well-run historic trend-setting restaurant uh, in America, not just the South, not just New Orleans, but really in the world for that matter. You know, the likes of Emma Lagasse and Paul Prudhomme, Jamie Shannon, Tori McPhail. All great, unbelievable chefs. The fact that they've been open for four decades, close to it, maybe more, uh, and they've only had four chefs, I think says a lot. Of course, the Brennan family, tons and tons of influence, not only in New Orleans, but across the country. Um, you know, you look at places, three-star Michelin restaurants out in the West Coast and the Midwest and the Northeast, and there's guys that have worked in and out of Commander's restaurants all over the place. And so it was a privilege and 
not only was I a sous chef there, but I got hired from the outside. Um, I didn't necessarily work my way up through the ranks. So that's a totally different ball game as well. So it brought a different uh, kind of a culture shock and a different approach for me to the whole scenario. So it really led to um, kind of just big leaps uh, for my career. And, and again, another humbling experience as well. Another uh, sink or swim type experience and one that I really grew from and eventually they entrusted me to take the helm at their sister restaurant, which is called Cafe Adelaide. It's in the Lowe's Hotel um, in downtown New Orleans. And so I was at Commanders for about two years at the Lowe's uh, and at uh, Cafe Adelaide for about another two years. And I got to spend, you know, a little under five years with that family and with T. Martin and Ella Brennan and Tori and Lally and the whole crew. And um, I can't really thank them enough for what I learned and what I gained and, and how I grew as not only a chef, but as a person with them. So it's quite an experience to say the least. That's awesome. And congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, we still have fun. I still keep in touch with all those guys very much. So, and, um, you know, it's, it's new Orleans is one of those cities where it's, it's a huge, huge, huge culinary community where everybody looks out for one another. And, you know, you'd, you'd be a fool to burn any bridges in the city because there's just, you never know when you're going to call upon somebody for something, collaborate with somebody on something, need help for some reason in some way. And um, this is, you know, it's one of those towns where uh, it's very small, you know, and so everybody kind of knows everybody. And, um, you know, it's like a one degree of separation kind of place. You know, most people that live here are from here, born and raised. It's not really a transient city. So, um, you know, it's just it's just the, the culinary and hospitality industry is, is one of the strongest here. I think per capita of anywhere in the world, really. Now, earlier you said you've been cooking at a young age. So do you have a favorite food memory? Um, you know, it's funny that, that that kind of ties me to Commanders as well. I mean, I, I grew up um, really, really, that was the first restaurant where I saw the transition of, okay, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, uh, and uncles cooking to there's, it's more than this. It's about theater. It's about service. It's about um, a certain uh, ballet or, or, um, you know, choreographed thing. And that was, you know, we used to go to commander's palace for, uh, for very important meals, you know, typically revolved around my mother, whether it was mother's day or her birthday or some type of, you know, my celebration, some kind of celebration, special occasion. Exactly. Exactly. And that was my mom's favorite place. So that's where we would go. And that was the times of, of Jamie Shannon. And I remember eating a Cobb salad and it wasn't, you know, people think Cobb salad, like why, why is that so special? It was, it was just the way it was presented and, and, and the precision of it, the perfection of it and the balance of flavors. And I'm sure there was more to this Cobb salad than just your typical, you know, uh, lunch counter Cobb salad. I'm sure it was jazzed up some sort of, of Jamie Shannon type way, but you know, they, it was brunch and they had the, I don't know from those who have been there, they had the frozen vodka bottles with the, with the ice around the bottles, poured table side and the jazz, trio playing and the whole you know uh, second line going through the thing and i was like wow this is i've been born and raised in this city i've never seen anything like this while eating you know and then uh so that was really the fine dining food memory i have and then as far as the first two foods that i really remember eating distinctly and and making an impression on me were uh two that i didn't even get down all the way (laughs) actually (laughs) one was uh one was a raw louisiana oyster uh, off the half shell when I was probably five or six years old that I, I, I could still see my dad and his best friend snickering in the corner as I tried to get it down for about 20 minutes while they were drinking a couple <laughs> of Dixies. And the other was a, uh, a blood, uh, boudin. Uh, so our boudin over here is made with rice and pork 
um, and and usually pork liver. And the real intense version has pig blood in it as well. And I remember my uncle giving me that out of a greasy paper bag saying, here, try this. And that one didn't make it all the way down either. But now it's one of the things I love. Uh, and it's a real delicacy down here as well. Now, is there someone in the food world you truly admire? Oh, yeah. I mean, where, you know, that's hard to it's hard to begin with that one. Um, you know, I think I think pioneers in our in our country that are really bringing food beyond just sustenance and, and flavor and taste. I really uh, admire. I really think what some people call it ridiculous or, or over the top or whatever they want to call it. But I think food as theater is kind of a cool thing. And I think food as really the focus of the evening has become a cool thing. And um, I had the opportunity to go stage at Alinea and, and Chicago with Grant Atkins and his team. And, um, you know, I got to eat there one night, Stasia the next night. And I spent about 12 or 13 hours in their kitchen the night before we actually ate. And I was still dumbfounded, surprised, and blown away uh, by the food that we ate the next night. You know, so it just goes to show you that even though I saw these things, asked these questions, helped plate, helped prep, do all the things, I still had no idea what to expect going in the next night. That's how you know amazing and, and kind of crazy uh their cuisine is but everything tasted unbelievable as well it was balanced you know they thought about every single component to the experience from what's you know the centerpiece is to how the dessert is to to, to everything the service <laughs> jokes yeah it's just it's a choreographed theater and it's un, unreal and i think that um what they're doing and what guys like that are doing um you know 11 madison park and those kind of guys i haven't been able to eat up there but it just takes the cuisine from, again, just not that there's anything wrong with good old-fashioned great cooking and fine dining, but um, it brings it to a, uh, almost a whimsical level, and, and just it just it makes you think. It's such a cerebral uh, environment as well as a physical um, just delight that uh, I think it, it, it just brings it to this whole different ballgame of cuisine, and that's something that I really think is very cool uh, going on right now. And what's the one thing you kind of love about your job besides cooking? Uh, you know, it's just, it's really the, the creativity. I mean, that's, that's really what, what, what it's all about. It's, it's pushing the boundaries. It's, um, it's really rocking out uh, a great night of, of a certain number of covers and, and, and trying to execute food and walking around the dining room and talking to guests that are a hundred percent happy with and, and excited about the food we've done. You know, I have an unbelievable chef de cuisine at, at both restaurants that, do tremendous jobs to where I can just kind of be allowed to focus on a lot of things that I have going on personally and, and professionally as well, some more philanthropies and giving back and things like that. And um, and I'm able to walk around the dining rooms a little bit and really talk to the guests, um, which I never used to like doing that at all when I was younger. <laughs> Cook, I used to have to get dragged out of the kitchen by, by the owner and by, by my, you know, my mentors and things like that. And now it's it's something that I really see people, you know, they want to talk about the influences of these restaurants and why you designed them a certain way and why the menu reads a certain way and the type of food is done um, and the influences behind it. So I think now the satisfaction is really seeing people understanding conceptually what you're going for. And, you know, because we're very try to be very creative with our cuisine um, mm -hmm. and try to bring people into doing to, to something that they don't see every day. You know, they come to New Orleans, there's a hundred places that can do trout meniere and that can do boudin and that can do, um, you know, barbecue shrimp, uh, you know, just as good, if not better than we could probably do them. So what we're trying to do is offer people different our spins on certain either classic ingredients or classic dishes to where you can have a little bit of an eyebrow raising, huh? Never would have thought of that um, kind of look at our, our food and uh, give, 
give people what I always say, something they can't find down the street. Because New Orleans is a city of a ton of restaurants, a ton of great cooks, both home cooks and professional cooks. So really, if you're not doing something new, creative, inventive, then you have to have been there for like 50 years plus to really kind of stand a chance. Um, so we pride ourselves on, on doing unique food on keeping it interesting, keeping it fresh. And that comes all the way down to like when you walk in the door to when you go to the bathroom to when you order a drink, there's a story, a reason, a, a um, you know, an inspiration behind every single facet of the restaurant, the food, the, the beverages, all that. So, um, when people really get that and embrace it and, and really, love it i mean there's nothing better than that than that feeling now speaking on the note of creativity at dtb you have some standout items i think um the crawfish bowl chips and the crawfish fry bread now tell me about these dishes because just reading it blows my mind <laughs> so those are actually two um kind of you know we we are definitely seasonal i wouldn't say like hyper seasonal but we definitely roll with the seasons down um at dtb as well as baco bar but um so those were more um those were more kind of crawfish season dishes. So crawfish season down here is like spring, um, kind of early, early, uh, well, mostly spring really. Um, but the fry bread was a chef de cuisine or Jacob Hamill's inspiration on a classic, um, there's a classic dish at, at Louisiana, uh, jazz, New Orleans jazz festival, uh, jazz and heritage festival. It's called the crawfish bread. So there's a lot of restaurants that do kind of their own rendition on that during crawfish season. So this one was, based on kind of a pierogi dough if you will that was um we would make a green chili fonduta roll in some louisiana crawfish tails into that and then stuff it into what amounts to like a pierogi dough and then deep fry it so it'd get kind of puffy and crackly mm, um almost like a fried talking. bread consistency yeah um you know you put fried bread and, and crawfish and cheese and people are kind of all about it we would do a little okra chow chow which is kind of like a little re- relish of okra and jalapeno and uh yeah the rest is just kind of history on that one <laughs> and then um we took kind of the essence of uh of the flavors of a crab boil or a crawfish boil and we triple fry uh red bliss potatoes or triple cook red bliss potatoes so basically we cook them in our crawfish or crab boiled seasoned water let them sit in that overnight then we cut them we tempura fry them very briefly, and then we um, fry them again when the order comes in to crisp them up even more. And then we toss them in a house-made kind of crab bowl seasoning, and then we put on their uh, dollops of pickled lemon, just kind of a lemon confit puree, and then uh, a little popcorn creme fraiche. So you have kind of the flavors of lemon, the flavors of corn, the flavors of the spice, the potato. So a lot of the flavors of a traditional crab or crawfish boil but done kind of more as an appetizer type dish. So it's got spice, it's got acid, it's got creaminess, it's got kind of all those components, but you just eat it with your fingers. And then afterwards you got a little bit of the spice left in your fingers and you just want to, you know, <laughs> sounds incredible. So, well, those are just, you know, a couple of examples of how we, how we just try to elevate, you know, food that we like food that we've loved for a long time and uh, try not to be pretentious, try not to be too chefy. Um, and, and, but just give people, Things, again, that are going to kind of raise their eyebrows to an extent, but still be approachable enough that they're not not afraid of what we're doing. So Now, do you have a favorite dish at DTB? Uh, it's very tough for me to say. You know, I always answer. I've been asked that question my whole career at various restaurants I've been the chef of, and my answer has always been that's like picking your favorite child, right? You can't really uh, – <laughs> But I have one, one child, so, so what do I do then? He's yeah, my favorite. So you're like, <laughs> out there. Yeah, I, I have two, so the analogy works for me. Um <laughs> So I always tell people it depends on, you know, who's acting better at the time, I guess. But, um, no, they, I think, um, you know, if I had to say, I, I think we have a duck confit dish that I, I think's 
very good um that's been on the menu from day one that that uh is, is has a great combination of flavors we we comfy we cured duck with uh actually with lemon pepper it's nothing fancy it's actually lemon pepper like you would a lot of uh like lemon pepper wings yeah like lemon pepper like straight out the uh straight out the <laughs> out the jar there's nothing fancy about it. a lot of people use it down the bite for a lot of things we actually cured duck uh legs with it and fresh thyme and a little sugar, um, and then we rinse those and comfy them for you know a good six hours and, and duck fat, and we let them sit in the fat, and then um, to order we fry them up nice and crisp, uh, the skin get the skin nice and crispy, and let the meat stay nice and tender. We serve that with a uh, miso and gochujang spiked sweet potato puree, so a little Korean kind of Asian influence on that. Get some umami in there. Um, we char or blacken some uh, green cabbage just on the on a plancha. So it's nice and charred on the outside, but very soft and unctuous kind of on the inside. And then we toss that with a uh, pecan vinaigrette. And we make a nice little chicory salad of some frisee and some Louisiana citrus. Um, and um, we uh, dress that with a little cane vinegar. And then, um, yeah, so you have kind of the duck, the citrus, the pecan, the sweet potato, all very classic kind of combination of flavors but presented pretty elegantly and, and nicely. Um, so again, that's kind of a, it's not, it's not out there too much, but it's an, it's an example of technique flavors that go together and, and again, presented in, in a style that's um, a little bit more contemporary, a little bit more refined than most you'd get. Um, and then we have a great, uh, I mean, we have, we just have, you know, this, our chef there, he's, he's unbelievable at keeping the menu fresh and rotating. We just put on a fried oyster and, pork riette dish which is uh which has really caught my attention i'm liking a lot right now it's with delicata squash and an olive and brown butter puree um we're doing a really nice cured uh cobia dish with some grapefruit and um avocado and uh, a little bit of crystal mash it's from the hot sauce uh crystal hot sauce it's a leftover byproduct of that it's all the mash that they basically don't get through the strainer when they Mm -hmm. strain the hot sauce and we actually get it from the owner himself and we rub down uh, cobia fillets, which is a nice lemon fish or ling. You guys probably get it down in Miami yeah. uh, quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just cure it real lightly with that mash. And so it's got a light little little crystal hot sauce kind of flavor to it. And we slice it real thin and serve it kind of crudo style, sashimi style. This whole um, conversation yeah, is making me hungry right now, Chef. <laughs> well, hopefully it is. But <laughs> if it's not, we're not doing our job. But, yeah, I mean, we're using everything from alligator to frog legs to, of course, shrimp, crab, tuna you know every golf fish we can get our hands on pompano you name it so um we're trying to use as much as we can out of our backyard and then you know we're not afraid to use other things like taking uh maybe octopus or scallops or you know main lobster and giving it a little cajun or south louisiana twist as well so um sky's really the limit with what we can do as long as we're having fun and giving people things that they uh that they uh, are interested in now chef i know you have two successful restaurants right now and you might have a third or fourth or whatever the case is, if you were given the chance to go back to Commander's Palace as executive chef, would you do it? Um, no. You know, I, I, uh, that's a very, very, very tough, tough job. And Tori McPhail is a very good friend of mine, still is. I actually just was texting him earlier today um, about some things we're trying to cook up to do together, actually. Um, that, is a, that is a full-time life. Uh, invested uh, uh, gig that um, honestly it just with a family I think it's tough and it requires not just for you to be there on top of one of the best restaurants in the world but also to really travel to be an ambassador for South Louisiana cuisine uh, like he's going to Puerto Rico I think this week he's he's you know he's here he's there he's 
really uh, nonstop. It, it, basically, it's, it's a lot of uh, not just work, but representation for. I mean, you you become really an ambassador for the city of New Orleans. Which look, don't get me wrong, is unbelievable. But uh, I think I would have a hard time with the work life balance <laughs> that I've grown kind of accustomed to, even with two restaurants. So. It really takes a special individual um, to, to tackle that. Um, it would be an honor to get that offer, and it would be fun to do, I think, for me for a few months. And after that, I'd have to say, uh, uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, my wife, I'd have to get a good divorce, divorce lawyer uh, while I was, as well as uh, somebody to work out my contract, but while getting the job. So, uh, no, but that would – that has always gone through my mind, to be honest with you, um, because that is kind of a dream gig for a lot of people. But it takes special individuals like a Tor McPhail, a Jamie Shannon, an Emerald Lagasse, and a Paul Perdome to really be able to pull that off the way they have. So, Well, Chef, thank you so much for taking some time out today. Truly appreciate it. Tell people how they can follow you and where they can check you out the restaurants. Yeah, so we're on, uh, we have dtbnola.com is our website. We keep it updated with menu changes, which happen uh, a, a frequent amount. And then, um, of course, we have bacobarnola.com as well. Again, we, we keep that updated with changes. Um, I'm Chef Carl Hudat on uh, Instagram Hudat? Uh, as well. <laughs> Hudat, Chef Carl Hudat. Um, so uh, on Instagram and um, and then we have DTB Nola page on Instagram as well that we keep updated with plenty of great pictures and uh, features and things we're doing and we have going on. We got Po Boy Fest this weekend or uh, in a couple of weeks we got Louisiana Seafood Festival this weekend. Boo, boo, bourbon Boudin and beer and two weeks with Emerald and Donald Link. So there's always something great going on here, just like there is in Miami. And we'll actually be down there for the South Beach Food and Wine uh, Festival in uh 2018 awesome doing an emerald yeah we're doing an emerald uh clam bake uh clam bake cook-off i think it's called down there so we're really excited about that as well well chef i thank you again for taking time out we welcome you to the city of miami anytime you want and uh, look forward to seeing you next year thank you so much appreciate it Nick. A big thank you to Chef Carl Schubert. And if you're in the New Orleans area, make sure you check out his restaurant, DTB. Um, Hearing nothing but amazing stuff. And we can't wait to uh, have him down here for the South Beach Wine and Food Festival in February right here in beautiful Miami. So what do you say? Let's do some food news. So, you know, our friends at Taco Bell are always killing the game. They literally, like, run social media. I feel like every week it's something new with Taco Bell. And this week, it's no different. Taco Bell is at it again, this time, a chocoladilla. I might be butchering. Chocoladilla. Uh, You might be asking, what is that exactly? Well, simple. It's a tortilla. They put some Kit Kat bars in it. They melt it. And that's a chocoladilla. It only costs $1. And it's only available right now in Milwaukee, but rumor has it this is going nationwide sooner rather than later. Taco Bell is also retesting the firecracker burrito. Check this out. Now, it features the cayenne popping candy, a.k.a. Pop Rocks, and it includes beef, rice, nacho cheese, sour cream, and red tortilla strips. They're testing it right now in Toledo, Ohio. So if you're listening in Toledo, Ohio, you got to try this. It's now available until mid-November. So uh, no word yet if this is going to be a nationwide launch product, but uh, if you're in Toledo area, make sure you try it. So, you know, I love Shake Shack, and they're adding something new to their menu. Chili. That's right. Shake Shack's chili is a braised beef chili infused with ancho and chili de arbol peppers, 
for heats. And you can order in three different official items, a single or double chili cheeseburger, sounds delicious, a chili cheese dog, or chili cheese fries. And I'm in on chili everything. These items are now available to order only on the official Shake Shack app. But come Thursday, all locations except airports, ballparks, and stadiums will have them this Thursday. So um, I'm definitely heading to Shake Shack ASAP. And New York City favorite, Black Tap Burgers. It's opening its first location outside of New York, this time in Vegas. The new location will be at the Venetian Hotel, and it features burgers, Brussels sprouts, fries, barbecue wings, and, of course, their world-famous Freak Shakes, a.k.a. Milkshakes. And Black Tap Vegas is expected to open this November. And that's all the food news this week. So how about a word from one of our new sponsors? Shout out to one of our new sponsors, Martha of Miami. Now, if you're born and raised in Miami, just like me, then chances are you were raised on croquetas and drank cafe con leche before you could even walk, right? I mean, it's in our blood. Well, Martha of Miami has everything you need to represent your Latin pride. Her designs will have you saying, that's Miami AF. If you're from Miami, you know exactly what that means. So make sure you check out Martha of Miami today at MarthaOfMiami.com or on Instagram at MarthaOfMiami. But first, let's have some cafecito. And I'm wearing some Martha of Miami right now, head to toe. I got the hat. I got the shirt. I even got the pin. And check this out. Here's what she did. Something special for our WTF Where's the Food listener. Check this out. You can get 15% off your order right now using the coupon code WTF. TF. That's WTF. Get 15% off your order right now at MarthaOfMiami.com. They have some great gear. You're going to love it. If you're from Miami, you love Martha of Miami. You love her gear. So make sure you check her out, MarthaOfMiami.com or on Instagram, MarthaOfMiami. And of course, 15% off right now. Use the coupon code WTF. So, you know, on the show, we love to eat, right? And what better way to eat than at a a food event or a food festival? And coming up this Thursday, Burgerlicious. I'm going to talk to Mark Trowbridge from the Coral Gables Chamber of Commerce. He's like the biggest teddy bear ever. And they do this great event each and every year. It's called Burgerlicious. Tons of burgers competing for best in bun and people's choice. Over 20 restaurants competing. So let's jump into my conversation right now with Mark Trowbridge from Burgerlicious, and find out why you need to go to Burgerlicious this Thursday if you're in the Miami area. The infamous, the one and only, Mark Trowbridge from Burgerlicious. What's going on, brother? Everything's great. Great to hear your voice. So, the big event, Burgerlicious, happening this Thursday, November 2nd at Pont Circle Park. That's right. This happens every single year. How, how many years are we at right now, Mark? This is number seven. Can you believe that? Number Crazy. seven. I've been there since its inception, you want to say. Absolutely. And Even before we got started, we uh, we connected with you, and you were a true believer from day one. So thank you for that. And I thank you for uh, choosing me and believing in me as well. So for someone who doesn't know anything about Burgerlicious, I mean, they've been doing it for seven years. Come on now. Right. If you don't know. You've been living on their rock. Tell people why they should check out Burgerlicious this year. Well, if you've been living under a rock or maybe you just moved here, this is our premier foodie event in Coral Gables every year, and the goal is to obviously celebrate one of my favorite foods, and that is the Great American Burger. And so uh, Thursday, November 2nd, we'll be right here in the heart of Coral Gables, showcasing 22 different restaurants that are going to compete for the Best in Bun Award for, well, an amazing burger. 
And the best in bun is the judge's choice, and I'm a judge, but also the people get to vote for the people's choice. They can vote, so we do two things. There are judges like yourself who will pick the best in bun, the highly curated, you know, everything is done in a blind taste test, and at the end of it, you know, you guys collaborate for the best in bun. And then the people, the guests, the attendees, get a chance with South Motors to vote for their favorite burger for the People's Choice Award. And what are some of the restaurants the fine people that are attending Burgerlicious can expect this Thursday? So we've got 22. I think you've got the tried and true that everybody loves, like Christie's, which does a, an incredible burger. And you've got uh, even our good friends over at Bouya and Tarpon Ben. And then we've got five new restaurants this year that are doing burgers, including Pizza Rev, that's going to do their own take from a pizza perspective on a burger. I hope it's a pizza burger. Yeah, 320 Gastro Lounge, which is in Merrick Park. I mean, I think most of you know Giorgio Rappicavoli. He's going to be there with glass and vine. So we've got some new some new faces and also some tried and true. So now, besides the new restaurants, I know every year as a festival, as an event, you try to get better. Anything new this year that um, it, people can expect? You know, I think a couple things. We have a little bit of a different setup, so it makes it a little bit more easy to navigate and user-friendly. Um, you know, we're working with Sam Adams to have some really awesome seasonal beers. Uh, we've upped our game for the VIP ticket with Jack Daniels. They're going to have some new product that they're featuring. And, uh, you know, folks love our, uh, our 80s band, Mad World, and so they're going to be back. Uh, they've been with us almost every year, and uh, we love them. Now, Mark, tell people where people can get tickets and why they shouldn't miss this event. <laughs> Well, they shouldn't miss it because it's going to be awesome, and I hope the weather's going to be just like it is today. Oh, my God, it'll be amazing. It would be incredible. We've been blessed every year with great weather, but they can go to our website, so it's burgerlicious.com, B-U-R-G-E-R-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S.com. We've got regular general admission, which gets you six burgers, a couple of beers, and uh, full access, and then you've got VIP, which is unlimited everything, burger, beer, and obviously access to the Jack Daniels tent. But we'd love to have folks out there. Even if you're not sure, you can put away that many burgers. It's a lot of fun to be with <laughs> folks. Great music and great fun. Well, Mark, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out and telling the listeners all about Burgalicious, and I can't wait to see you on Thursday. Make sure you start fasting on, the, never, on Thursday. Never, Mark, <laughs> never. A big thank you to Mark from the Core Gables Chamber of Commerce. And, of course, if you're in Miami, you got to check out Burgalicious this Thursday. All the info on the website right now, thefoodie.com, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E.com. And lucky for you, depending on when you're listening to this, I got a pair of tickets to give to you on Instagram right now, at thefoodie, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. You got to be 21 and up. But make sure you sign up. Got a, a day or two left to win those tickets and how about some food porn of the week this week comes to us from at fast foodies love fast foodies they're from new york used to be uh here in miami but they are in new york now and they posted this lobster poutine with two fried eggs on top you know i'm a sucker for fries i looked into this and you can get this lobster poutine right now at ed's lobster bar in new york city the lower manhattan area the official name on the menu is called Potato and Eggs, but holy crap, man. This is mouth-watering. This is amazing. This is incredible. I need to go here. I checked out the menu, too. I mean, they got lobster grilled cheese, lobster burger. Incredible. You got to see this lobster poutine for yourself. See it on Instagram. I just reposted it. At the foodie, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. And how about a word from one of our sponsors, The Yielding Seed? So there's this really amazing meal delivery service I need to tell you guys about. It's called The Yielding Seed. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they do it all and do it all well. 
No need to go to the grocery store and buy ingredients to make your food. They bring the meals to you so you can spend more time doing the things you want to do and less time trying to meal plan. I can tell you from personal experience, it is the best tasting meal delivery service in the Miami area. And you can sign up for the traditional plan or the paleo plan because there's something for everyone. The Yielding Seed takes great pride in providing chef-prepared, freshly made meals each and every day for each and every one of their clients. You want to have the Yielding Seed, so what are you waiting for? And sign up today at theyieldingseed.com. You'll thank me later. I'm telling you, action-packed week here in Miami. Lots of food events. This one is no different. They put on a great event each and every year. If you've heard about it, maybe it's come to a city near you. It's a traveling food event. It's called Lucky Rice. They're doing the Miami Feast this Friday, the day after Burgalicious. So hashtag never stop eating. I'm going to talk to Annie, who is the content manager for Lucky Rice, about this year's Miami Feast. So what do you say? Let's jump into my conversation with Annie from Lucky Rice. So we love to eat here on the show, and what better way to eat than with a feast? So this Friday in Miami, if you're in the Miami area, Lucky Rice is having their Miami feast, and on the line to talk about it, her name is Annie. She's the content manager for Lucky Rice. Annie, what's going on? Not much. Just looking forward to Friday. That's right. (laughs) And people are wondering, what exactly are you talking about? Well, Friday, Lucky Rice is having their Miami feast, right? That's right. So tell people if they've never even heard of Lucky Rice or never really experienced it, Tell them really what Lucky Rice is about. Yeah, so basically we are an events management company with a production arm. Danielle Chang, the CEO, also has a PBS TV show, and it's all things Asian culture through the lens of food. But our feast, which we throw annually in like a bunch of different cities across the country, it's basically just this like massive party where everybody just feasts out, drinks out. It's it's a lot of fun. And for someone who has been kind of on the fence about yeah. buying a ticket or, you know, trying it out because you guys have been here, this is the seventh or eighth year, I believe, right? That's right. Yeah. So if they've been on the fence, why? What's, what makes this year so special and so different from the previous years? Uh, well, I guess the thing that's really remarkable this year is that we're also uh, contributing all of our net proceeds to Feeding South Florida. So there's a charitable element. So, you can feel good coming to this event knowing that it's contributing to, you know, public good, feeding the hungry. And we love feeding South Florida. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, we're so excited to be working with them. They've been a really amazing charity partner for us. And, you know, because we want everybody to feel like they're having a fun time and eating as much as they can, but kind of mindful that, like, it's kind of tough out there, you know? So uh, we want it to feel good in every sense. And what are some restaurants people could expect when, when they come out on Friday? Oh, yeah. So it's like Heavy Hitters, it's like Hakkasan, um, Juvia's there. Um, gosh, who else? The K-Ramen Burger, which oh, is yeah. really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a feast for the ages, so you want to come out. Annie, where can people get tickets? You can go to LuckyRice.com and follow the links to events and then Miami and then boom. And is uh, anything new this year from the previous years that, that people might enjoy even more? Ooh, well, we're at the Surf Comer this year, which is new for us. So as a venue, um, I actually haven't been there myself, but I'm told it's the bomb. So, yeah. 
So Lucky Rice Festival, the Miami Feast, it's happening November 3rd, which is Friday at 7, starts at 7 p.m., but right? Yep. At the Kimpton Surf Cumber Hotel in Miami Beach. You go to LuckyRice.com to get tickets. And last question, Annie. Yeah. What makes Lucky Rice so different from all the other food events that you've ever been a part of or that could be happening at the same time in the city? Uh, booze, 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 booze. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, Annie, thank you so much for coming out. Truly appreciate it. And I'll see you later this week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Nick. A big thank you to Annie from Lucky Rice. Thank you so much for jumping on the show. If you're in the Miami area, make sure you go to Lucky Rice, the Miami Feast, happening Friday. This Friday, depends on when you're listening, Friday, November 3rd, right here at the Kimpton Surf Comer. And lucky for you, I got tickets to give to you as well. You can follow along and win them right now on our Instagram at the Foodie, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E. And, of course, we got all the info on the website as well, thefoodie.com, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E.com. And uh, I'm sad to say that wraps up episode number seven. Oh, and I almost forgot. Happy Halloween. Depending on when you're listening, enjoy your Halloween. Make it safe. Thank you for listening to episode number seven. Truly appreciate it. Subscribe and download iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. We are there. If you subscribe on iTunes, please leave us a review. Some stars. I would truly appreciate it. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Foodie T-H-E. F-O-O-D-E, and of course, the website, thefoodie.com, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-E.com. Lots of stuff on the Instagram and the site. You can win tickets to Burgalicious. You can win tickets to Lucky Rice. We got food porn galore. So make sure you give us a follow. Truly, truly appreciate it. And WTF Words of Food is part of the Vibe Media Podcast Network. Remember, this is episode number seven. My name is Nick. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to celebrating with you next week on episode number eight and of course hashtag never stop eating and i'll see you all over miami this weekend